James, welcome hey. to Duty Honor Real Estate. It's so exciting. You don't understand, man. I wish people understand how amazing you are. You are a partner agent, first-time dad, right. veteran, West Pointer. I always say you're a mechanical engineer. I am not, I am not a mechanical <laughs> engineer. I'm the econ major with a with a mech track. Mech track, but anyways, he loves cars. That's what it means. But uh, I'm so excited, and I just don't want to hold up the crowd anymore. Let's get into where, like, walk us through your journey from West Point to corporate America, and now real estate at the Lana Rodriguez Group. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been an interesting journey. Uh, if you told me back in 2014 that by this time I'd be a real estate agent, I'd, I'd probably slap you in the face. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but as you hear the story, it, it does. Um, so obviously West Point grad, so 2014, so I was an econ major. Uh, as far as branches goes, I ended up branching ordinance. Cool. And to be honest with you, at the time, I was like, dude, it's either aviation or bust. Yeah. So I, you know, obviously didn't get aviation, no. got, got ordinance. So I was like, kind of already had that prep in my mind. Like, well, you know, part of why I chose ordinance logistics branch was like, I'm probably going to do my five and fly and get, get out. So that yeah. was kind of in the back of my mind as I started. Um, but anyways, you know, commission 14, Bullock for four months, ended up going to Fort Carson first duty station. And, and my first year in the army was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I had a phenomenal company commander. Uh, really pushed me to do do big things. I had a great platoon sergeant, had a great battalion commander, um, and, and I really felt like I was being groomed to be like the, like the next best lieutenant, so to speak. Cool. Um, and it was, you know, e- you know, each month there was like a new challenge for me. They said, "Hey, look, you're our guy. You're going to go do this. You're going to go take. You know, you're going to go to NTC with a different platoon and all this crazy stuff." So, first year, I was like, "I kind of, I kind of like this. This is this is pretty good. I can see myself doing this." Um, so at the end of my first year, I'm like, dude, I might, I might do this long term. Like, this is really great. Uh, but then transition to a new company, get a new platoon, new commander, new first sergeant, battalion commander switches out. And it was definitely like night and day. Like, you know, commander philosophy was totally different. Uh, first sergeant was a challenge. I mean, I, I'm toxic, toxic first sergeant. There's, there's no way around it. Um, and almost felt like I was getting blacklisted the way it was going. Because, um, you know, I was a super aggressive PO. Like, I always pushed. And, and you know this as my yep. as my boss, that I always push pretty hard uh, on the on the commander to be like, hey, sir, this is what we need to be doing. Um, so after, you know, six months in the second year, it was kind of like, it was almost like I was getting blacklisted to the point where they were like, hey, you're, you're done with PL time. You did that. Uh, ended, me putting up, ended, ended up putting me in the back room in the SPO shop where I was like this, you know, like this other lieutenant in the back. And they were like, hey, go do PowerPoint slides. And I was like, okay. Um, so at that point, I kind of started spinning like, okay, this is, this is probably five and fly. I'm probably, probably all done with this. Definitely. Um, so, you know, fast forward, ended up, ended up meeting you. Obviously, you were my, my company commander. I, I always say you rescued me from that, from that SPO shop, took me on as your XO. Um, and then obviously we, we ran with it. I mean, I always felt like we, you know, from there, we had a great team. Um, you, you, we, we kind of balanced each other very well. You're definitely the dreamer. I'm kind of more the, the pragmatist. Um, uh, but we ended up, you know, do, doing great as a company. I always felt like we were the top company in the battalion. And, um, even though the organization still had the challenges that, that relationship with you and, and just having a successful team within us was, was huge. And I, and I always really appreciated that. 
Well, um, we're going to stop it right there because, I mean, there's <laughs> so many nuggets, you know. Um, if you think about it in your in your journey just in the military, um, there's so many things that I think any veteran would agree with. Um, you start with, I like this. This is making sense. I get to do cool stuff. I hang out with cool people. Uh, but then, that's that's the problem, is like, the military has a revolving door Absolutely. of leadership, very low time on station, right? And so it's tough for that honeymoon to continue in the Army or Navy, a uh, Navy Air Force, but I, I've heard it from all the other services. And it's just because of the revolving door. And it's, it's unfortunate because then you, you don't get a good set of, of leaders and so forth. And, and it's, it's hard because when you have personalities like us who like to hold people accountable, that it, it sometimes doesn't mesh well with other leaders who are type A maybe, right? Even if they're not competent, um, you know, military has a lot of chiefs, you know, especially Absolutely. in the officer corps Absolutely. Uh, and not enough Indians, if that makes sense. And so, um, but yeah, and it was unfortunate they, they did relocate you there. But uh, one, once I got a whiff of you, it was, it was game over. <laughs> it was game over. And you know how that went down. But that's just an example. Is like you meet so many great people. Absolutely. That if you harness those experiences, they really make the overall experience in the Army, the average experience, like better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So, no, that's cool. And so eventually the Army was no more. It, it, absolutely. Yep. So I ended up, you know, transitioned out, went to career course. Uh, you know, I had about a year left. They sent me to Fort Riley. You know, I, I said, told myself like, Hey, I'm going to give it a chance. And I was probably on ground for like two or three weeks. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting I out. So, um, so this is where, uh, you know, my story and probably a lot of our, our listeners stories kind of combine. Um, so I kind of knew at that point, like, Hey, I'm getting out. Um, started getting a lot of calls, right? Different different recruiters. I know you were you were calling me up to be like, hey, let I me was know one of them. Out. Um, but uh, you know, for me, obviously, the army it's a you know it's a stable job. You've got a salary, you've got you've got benefits. Um, you know, you're going to get paid every two weeks. And I don't think I was necessarily ready to to kind of step out of that. Um, and so a, a recruiter came in, Cameron Brooks, which is you know for a lot of the JMOs out there, they're they're probably getting those calls. Um, and and Honestly, they, to their credit, they did a good job of preying on that fear of being like, hey, look, we're going to make sure that you get that salary when you're out. We're going to make sure you get that stable job with the benefits. So, I, you know, I started drinking all their Kool-Aid and, you know, reading all the books that they told us to do and prepping for their interviews. Ended up going to a, a career conference with them. Um, ended up with 15 interviews. Got, got 12 yeses. I think five or six follow-on interviews. Uh, but but long story short, ended up accepting a job with a company called Boston Scientific, um, and this was up in Minnesota. And I'm not I'm not from Minnesota. I'm from Massachusetts originally, and outside of that, I've been in Colorado, New York, Virginia, right? So Minnesota's totally new, totally new game. Um, so you know, for me, it was like in retrospect, I'm like, why did I why did I go through that? Like, why did I do that career conference? Why did I listen to them tell me to go to some random state that I've never been to for this job, right? Um, but they preyed on that fear of like, hey, look, this, this is kind of your only chance. Like, you can't do this on your own, right? Um, so they definitely preyed on that, and I drank all that Kool-Aid. So I ended up going, going to work out there in Minnesota, Boston Scientific, as a production supervisor. 
you know, of course, you know, PL time, exo time, like you're going to go leave people uh, putting together medical devices um, and, and started out on night shift. So here I am, right? You know, five years, I'm like, the grass is always greener on the other side. Like the quality of life is going to be better. And here I am, my first civilian job, and I'm working 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. to start. And it was it was horrible. Um, now, the one good thing is, you know, I went in the same way I approached every job in the Army. is just, you know, go full speed, go 100%, try to add value. Um, and I, I did progress quickly because um, the way the – supervisor world worked over there was like hey you know the goal is to get to first shift so you know i was on night shift for three months second shift for two months and they put me on the shirt the first shift uh which was still 5 a.m to to 3 p.m so i'm just getting up at 3 30 in the morning to go to work um but that was like the you know the progression and it was like you know here i am i'm like hey you know i'm doing everything i can i'm, I'm pushing everything along um and get to the end of the year and it's time for you know kind of reviews and whatnot and all the same kind of things that were frustrating about the Army kind of came out, right? Like, it was all the reviews. It was the politics. It was the, hey, we can't give you this rating because this guy needs the rating. Or, hey, we can't give you the bonus because, you know, we gave you a sign-on bonus 24 months ago, so we can't do that. Um, and then just, you know, trying to get, you know, things done, obviously, in the supervisor production world, we're held accountable by how much we produce. And, we weren't re really able to, to meet our goals uh, because of a lot of the politics. Um, so a lot of those same frustrations that I had in the Army where it's like, I've got a lot of responsibility, but I don't have a lot of autonomy, don't have a lot of control. Um, like those same kind of frustrations came out. So I think it was at that point where I was like, I mean, I, 100%, I was like, damn, I, I, I should have just stayed in the Army. Like at least in the Army, I had a, a better sense of fulfillment, right? Like. You know, I'm actually part of an organization that I can be proud of, um, and it's okay to kind of deal with those challenges in the Army. But here I am, you know, Boston Scientific, dealing with the same challenges, if not worse, but I have none of the fulfillment. You know, I'm not going home bragging to my family, like, yeah, I work at, I work at Boston Scientific. Well, let, well let's so. hold that cliffhanger because that's going to be a critical point in your journey. And But I want people to understand, you know, that part of the journey, too, is when you decide to leave, the traditional route is to go Absolutely. to corporate America 100%. or, you know, an MBA program, then go back to corporate America. <laughs> yep. But um, the headhunter was interesting. And, and, you know, I've been out of the game for so long. I could imagine they still exist. Oh, yeah. And I could imagine that they still try to leverage that fear. Uh, the fear of losing that security, the fear of losing that, just you know the expectation. Like, okay, this is how much I can make, this is how much I can live in my means. And that's interesting, you know, that you say that because um, you're putting it out there for people to understand. It's like if they're using that, Absolutely. you know, then you need to be careful in where they're going to place you anyways. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, yep. and like you said, you know, I ended up in Boston Scientific – um, and you, you know, unfortunately progressively realized that this was not going to be what, it, what they said it was. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely too. That, that was the other thing, right? Like, Hey, we're going to get you in a company. You're, you're a development candidate for that company. You're going to move up to development path. candidate in the first year. You know, I'd done that, uh, but then I was like, well, then what? And, and it was kind of like. Hey, you're going to be a production supervisor for the next like eight years. And, and, and it was and like, what? See, that's like the thing people, 
they will, they don't, I, th- I feel like they don't want to realize when they go into corporate America that there will always be some sort of check and balance, some sort of hierarchy, Absolutely. some sort of, you know, ceiling that will always prevent you. Absolutely. And, and we, you know, we thought it wasn't like that in the military, but it is. And then you're like, okay, well, corporate America is not going to be like that. And boom, yeah. it yeah, is same again. Thing. Same thing. And so when did you realize that this, this, this is the last straw? Like, I can't do this no more. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously I, I knew I wasn't happy with, with where I was. Um, and, I, and this is probably about a year in. Um, and I did tell my immediate supervisor, I was like, hey, man, I, I can't keep doing this. Like getting up at 5 a.m., yeah. um, you know, trying to trying to lead this organization with all these restrictions and politics going on. Like, yeah, this isn't really sustainable. So um, I tried to do a lateral transfer within the company. Obviously, I had a logistical background um, and, you know, was trying to become like a in, – in their world, it's called a planner. Um, so basically, like you're setting production – like, hey, you know, we need to build 3,000 units, therefore we need X materials, right? We need X amount, right? Um, and I tried that for six months. I must have done four or five interviews, and I just kept getting passed over because they're like, hey, you don't, you don't, you don't, you're not familiar enough with the software. I'm like, hey, t- teach me the software. I'll, I'll do it. Um, and I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin. It was probably after the fourth or fifth time that I was passed over for that lateral transfer, and I, and I knew part of it was they had to keep me as the as a production supervisor I mean they didn't have anyone any backfill I mean I you know but that was kind of the nail in the coffin where it was like hey I'm not going anywhere with this company I'm not happy I'm not fulfilled um you know honestly I at that time I fully regretted getting out of the army I was like geez I, I should have just stayed in I mean <laughs> I really crazy. contemplated going back yeah. in um and that was kind of the the nail in the coffin there with the company um uh, but then I also do got to give my wife a lot of credit um Cause she definitely saw how miserable I was. She's like, you can't, you can't keep doing this. And I don't want to say that she hazed me and bullied me to the point where she was like, if you don't quit, like I'm going to, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. That's kind of how it went. Um, which I love her to death for doing that. Cause she really did, um, kind of bully me to be, she was like, Hey, look, you just quit. I don't care if you work. She, and she was right too. We didn't have any kids yet. Uh, she's a nurse practitioner. She's like, dude, I make plenty of money for both of us. Like, I just need you to stop. Stop. I can't listen to you anymore, like, complaining about it. You just need to be done with it. Um, so that was, like, you know, probably a call, I think, that prompted a call to you. Or you might have called me. Your timing's pretty good, so you, you probably called me. And we're like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, well, I'll tell you how it's going. It's not going well at all. Um, and then you started talking about, like, hey, real estate, get your license, and Haley was actually on the phone too, so you guys were both like hazing me, you know, bullying me, telling me like, "Hey, if you don't, if you don't do this, you're, you know, you're just a, you're just a big girl." And I was like, "Okay, well, I'll start doing this." So you guys both kind of hazed me to do it, um, and so you know, I went in the next day and gave them my two week notice and was like fully committed. I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm gonna get my real estate license, and we'll go from there." So wow. So there's definitely your version, and then there's the director's cut, <laughs> which is my version. Uh, but no, without a doubt, man, like that that moment where you had to make that that critical decision, to me, it stems from just it's crazy. Like, what's the definition of crazy? Like doing the same, same thing, thing over and over, and, ex- and getting no results. Absolutely, and that's that, where I was. And that craziness 
literally affects you mentally, physically, everything. Oh, yeah. It just it just yeah. destroys your system. And you know, kudos to your to your wife. Um, <laughs> every every significant other, they're the ones who are going to get the the effects, the the byproducts of your craziness. Oh, and yeah. uh, and I know Lana has definitely seen all all shades of my craziness. And so it's 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 shout out to those spouses, you know, because they're in this just as much before, during, and after the military, and it's good to see that. Um, another thing is like I, you know, like we talked about when you meet great people in the military, y- you don't want to just have that experience and then just think of it as a memory. Like yeah, we absolutely. need to continue it on in life, and so I followed up. And I followed up religiously. I always yeah, tell people you follow did. up or starve or die. Uh, but follow-up is huge. And obviously, your wife used me as an upsell, right? <laughs> so like, hey, well, let me bring in the closer. And so, That's right. uh, That's but right. yeah, without a doubt, um, that craziness reached a boiling point. You know, I was there. Uh, and so, but even though I was there doing my attracting or recruiting tactics, what attracted you, though, to real estate, especially entrepreneur real estate, which is sales and service, um, how did you overcome the fear of leaving that stable job again? Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say that I definitely benefited from the sugar mama. So obviously <laughs> I had I had my wife. We didn't have kids yet. Um, she had gotten her master's, became a nurse practitioner. So, uh, you know, she was basically like, look, I will take care of us. I don't care. You can just sit home and cook and do whatever you want. Like, we'll, we'll make it work. Um, so, so as far as like that fear, um, you know, financially, it, it definitely wasn't there anymore. Uh, not, not that it wasn't there. I mean, there's still that pride and, you know, Hey, I'm not, I'm not getting paid anymore. Um, but she was like, look, we've got plenty of security for you to go do your own thing. Like if, if this is going to take a while to build up some momentum and get back to where we need to be, like, don't worry, I got us. Um, and that was enough for me to be like, Hey, I, I can make this, I can make this transition. Um, I, I think the second thing too, as, as you know, right, I had already been, you know, that's part of why I went to Minnesota to an extent was there were some opportunities there in real estate. So we ended up buying a couple properties in Minnesota. Um, so, you know, I'd already known the value of real estate, the power of real estate as a wealth building tool. And that's something that had, that had always interested me um, and, and something that I can read about and it doesn't feel like work. Right. So there's like a certain amount of passion for real estate that I had. So I was definitely excited about it. Um, and, and then thirdly, I had two terrible experiences with agents in, in Minnesota. And I'm like, man, if I just had a professional, someone that, that cared, that, you know, had some expertise and, and competence and knew what they were doing, I would have been in a much better position. So so I also felt like I had some value to bring to the game. Like I can actually help others kind of avoid the mistakes that that I made um, largely because of this kind of horrible guidance that I was given from these other agents. So I knew there was an opportunity there just from a professional level for me to come and actually do pretty well. Um, and, then, and then I'd say, lastly, it goes back to that point that, that we've been hitting on the, the ceiling with corporate America is very fixed. Like, hey, you know, they, they can put on your, your job offer, hey, you might get a $10,000 bonus, but then we get to your review and it's like, hey, here's your 1500 uh, bucks. But you know your ceiling. So you can work as hard as you want. You can work harder than everybody around you, but it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're going to be paid the same as the next guy. So the entrepreneurial side of it and essentially removing that ceiling became very appealing 
because I always felt like, hey, no matter what I do, I'm gonna I'm gonna go 100%. I'm gonna work my butt off. I'm gonna make it a part of my life, and I'm gonna try to do the best I can at it. So I might as well get have the opportunity to get compensated for doing exceptional work. So that that definitely drew me at that time as well. Um, and then I think uh, six and a half, seven years of that salary corporate structure you know deal you know these huge entities with a lot of people a lot of politics i think just being done with that i think was a key um because you know obviously we come here as an agent you know even with the lana rodriguez group i mean how big of a team are we you know there's not a whole lot different of different sizes there's not a whole there's <laughs> you know it's not a, a four thousand person unit where we're yeah. just moving this giant you know battleship trying to yeah. turn it it's it's a little bit more effective so so I'd say all those things kind of drew me to it. Yeah. I, um, but I, but for me personally, I think I had to, and you talk about this a mm-hmm. lot when we talk too, but I think I had to exhaust yeah. those options first. I think I had to go to, unfortunately, as much as it was, as much as it was horrible, I think I did have to go to corporate America and just kind of validate that it is just as, you know, it's the same basic, you know, lifestyle that I had before. Um, and, and all those things motivate me today to kind of keep going. Because yep. I, I ain't going back. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't going, going back. back. <laughs> Remind me of Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm not leaving. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm <laughs> not, not going leaving. back. I am not leaving. Um, no, there is some incredible – this is so – it's so decisive right now in this – in this moment of what attracted you to real estate, and I would just say in general to entrepreneurship, um, is one, your significant other, your spouse was there for you. Absolutely. And and nine times out of 10, there's most likely the veteran has a significant other. And it doesn't have to be a marital, it could be like a friend, a, a brother, I don't know, the father, whatever. And they're there, hey, I got you. Yeah. I'm going to be your bridge, Absolutely. bridge loan, until you get to um, your destination. And so that's huge. That's critical. And and that's critical f- to make the decision to make move because it's a mutual decision. Um, another thing I saw is the plan. There was a plan there that was facilitated by real estate. And, and, and it's funny because Real estate was probably, like you said, like if I if I asked yeah, you absolutely. years ago, would yeah. being a realtor, being part of the industry, be part of your world? And you're like, no. Uh, but because you took advantage of the VA loan and you saw the benefits of the real estate and you saw other people being successful in real estate, that helped you facilitate that push, that, that like, hey, I got income coming in. I was able to leverage these properties with little to no money down. um, And I was able to scale my little monopoly board, right? And that's important because regardless, even if you don't go into real estate or whatever, it prepares you to do, let's say you wanted to open up, you know, a pizza place, you know, I don't know, Boston pizza place, wherever you (laughs) ate at. Uh, But, you know, at least that was able to give you more padding for you to make that jump. Another thing people need to realize is that every veteran will instinctively realize there is a problem in the service industry. You know, the intermediaries, 
the brokers of the world, and it's not just real estate. It could be medical devices. It could be selling private jets, softwares, right? The service industry has such low barriers of entry that when you are, let's say, more qualified than those low barriers of entry, um, you definitely will recognize an opportunity immediately. And you're like, wait a minute, there's no ceiling. No one's going to complain that I made all this money or that I sold all these properties or I sold all these jets, you know, these these widgets, right? No one's ever going to complain that because your your performance is is stems from your service. Absolutely. And and the value you bring and when you see that value challenge ratio, you're just like oh, all day. And I really want veterans to really understand that that you in the military, they give you poor resources, poor guidance, and they tell you to come with a finished product. Yep. And and if you take that mentality, that experience into entrepreneurship, finding where can I add value, you're gonna win all day. Um, and lastly, I think it wasn't just you exhausting the options, um, and it depends on personalities. You know me, I, I'll just go crazy, but. You know, for a lot of people, if they have the conditions set, because the military does help us like, hey, what are the conditions in order to move forward? And and that's all you need to do. That's how you, what, mitigate risk, put in the controls. And you had those controls with your wife, the plan, the, the, the value, you know, opportunity there. And so that's incredible. So I really want people to take that. Uh, and think about who's going to be there for you. What's your plan? Have you even leveraged real estate as additional income? And find value in people's problems. Um, so since you use the, the VA loan, let's pivot. And let's Absolutely. talk about real estate portfolios. Yep. You have how many properties? So I have three at this point. I would say that uh, I shouldn't have sold my fourth one, but I did. Mm-hmm. That's another which is, story. Which is a lesson for everyone here. <laughs> That's so another we'll, story. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, but but yeah, actually, so I, I actually started out pretty early. So I started out as, uh, I was still a butter bar. Um, we ended up buying a new build. Um, it was here in Colorado Springs at that time. It was only, I think it was 283, right? Um, you know, leveraged the VA loan. You know, no, basically no money out of pocket. Just had to pay the closing costs. Got a new build. It was a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, um, full-finished basement. We were super excited about it. Um, uh, we, we had it while we were here only for about a year and a half. And I would say, without a doubt, the biggest mistake I've, I've ever made and a mistake that I educate my clients on all the time right? Because at the time, and it, it sounds logical at the time, right? What, what I'm getting at is, you know, we got our, I got my orders, right, to go to Fort, Fort Lee, Virginia. My wife was going to go back up to Denver. She was working at a Denver hospital. So she was going to go live with a roommate. So we had no need for the property. So we're like, all right, well, let's, let's see what we can, we can rent it for. And I think our mortgage was right around 1700. Um, you know, meet with a property manager. He says, hey, you can rent it for 1700. Um, and obviously with management, you know, total cost like 1900 So, you know, as long as there's no maintenance issues, which, I mean, the home was two years old, probably wouldn't be any. We would have been eating $100 a month at that time. Um, and, and in our limited experience, not taking into account, like, return on equity, someone else paying down your note, not taking advantage of a 3% interest rate, which is what we had, we were like, no, that's just a negative number. We're not going to 
why are we going to hold on to this when it when it's not generating positive cash flow at this point? Um, so, anyways, we we decided to sell it. I think we sold it three twenty or three fifteen. We made ten or fifteen grand after you know all the expenses. Um, but fast forward, you know, just two years later, that home would have rented for two thousand twenty one hundred. Um, fast forward to twenty twenty one, the same exact house because you know I watch it. Sold for five hundred thousand dollars, so I, we could have made two hundred thousand dollars if we sold it. The same house today is going to rent for twenty six hundred, right? Um, so the biggest lesson for us there was like, hey, don't you know, don't don't kill the golden goose right away. Like, just let it let it ride for a little bit. If we had just held on to it, we wouldn't have any problems. Yeah, you know, eating a hundred dollars a month. Are you are you kidding me? We would have been totally fine. Um, and so selling that was definitely like the, the biggest mistake, um, and, and missed, you know, and then you miss out on all the opportunities. Like, do I think we would have sold it if we kept it? No, but we probably would have leveraged it. Right. Maybe pulled some money out, um, taking advantage of a HELOC, maybe a refinance, buy something else, but still have the asset. So hundred percent, the biggest, the biggest mistake that we've ever made. And, and something that shaped us now where we're like, you, I mean, you got to come correct if you want to try to try to get oh, us yeah. to sell a home now, oh, cause yeah. we're like, dude, we ain't, we ain't making that mistake. <laughs> Um, so, but that was the first one. Uh, and then I would say, I mean, honestly, for me, I didn't really pick up that, that aggressive on it until I, until I read rich dad, poor dad. And that was like the light switch. Cause I, I, everything that rich dad talks about, about his poor dad was, was my experience, right? Like get a government job, you, you put a little money away, like you buy a car with, with credit, you do this. So like. You know, it was kind of like a light switch for me. Like, hey, there's opportunities where you can build wealth. You just have to buy assets. So, you know, I think after selling that, read that book, that kind of that kind of switched me on to be like, hey, I need to I need to use real estate to kind of b- build my path here, kind of build my my financial wealth. So, um, anyways, fast forward. Uh, when I got out, we bought the first first property there in Minnesota. It was going to be a value add. We bought it with the VA, zero percent down, um, '60s Rancher. Um, my wife and I were like, "Hey, we don't have kids. We're just going to renovate as we go." That's what we did. If you have kids, do not go that strategy. <laughs> it not. will not work because um, it's stressful just as two just as two adults living living by themselves. It's a challenge. Um, but but we learned a lot by doing that renovation. We learned a lot about how houses work. You know just how to do things we we kind of understood how like hey what should we pay a contractor to do certain work and, and whatnot um but you know we secured that for i think 283 borrowed at 2.75 and, and same same exact thing right when we bought it the rents equaled exactly what our expenses were going to yeah. be fast forward 18 months and and part of this was of course you guys know in minnesota right we had George Floyd thing going on in yep. the cities. We bought in the suburbs, so this max exodus from Minneapolis, yeah, we benefited from. But I mean, that thing cash flowed seven hundred dollars a month the first Money. time we rented it. Um, plus, we had you know we had added all this value to it, um, and then we basically kind of rinsed and repeated the next one. Um, second one we ended up buying. So the first loan was just me on the note. Second one was just Haley. So we ended up doing an insured conventional on the second one. Um, and, and it was the similar strategy where we buy some great location. We bought in the best school district in Minnesota. We rob, bought right by a lake. Um, and, you know, I think the, the rate at the time was like three and a quarter. Um, but that was the goal was basically like do the same exact kind of thing. Um, and that's where we messed up. 
So it's kind of where that, that expertise in real estate that we yeah. were talking about comes in, right? Because uh, this was 2021, so the market was very competitive. We yes, were competing. It was. Um, list price was 298. We got under contract at 330, right? Uh, go through the inspection. Everything's wrong. Roof needs replacement. HVAC's messed up. Water heater's done. There's a water softener. It doesn't work. Um, and this is where that guidance from the agent would have came in handy. So. Without any guidance, of course, we being still relatively novice, we're like, okay, well, we'll still buy it if they'll take list price, 298, right? In which they, we were like, they're definitely going to terminate. That's what we expected. But they ended up accepting that term. So we ended up buying and closing at 298. But here was the problem for us and, and problem I'm sure for a lot of early on investors is we didn't have that much capital. Yeah. We were just starting out. Like we had the other property. I mean, we did all the renovations on that one. So the capital wasn't there. So we would have been much better off going back, keep the 330, get a $10,000 check for the roof, get a $10,000 check for the HVAC and the AC and the water softener and all that. But we had no idea. We didn't get that guidance. Um, our, our agent didn't, I mean, he didn't, he didn't care. He, he tried to not show up to the final walkthrough. I'm not kidding. He called my wife, Haley, and was like, hey, can you just do the walkthrough by yourself? <laughs> Um, so the, you know, these are kind of my experiences with agents. Like, dude, if, if I, you know, if it was James Tabor guiding James Tabor, he would have been like, all right, man, we just got the list, right? 8,000 for the, you know, we would have got the whole list. And instead of me having to either wait to build up that capital war chest or borrow at eight to 10% to pay for stuff, it would have just been part of our mortgage borrowed at 3%, three and a half percent. And the project would have taken half the time. So, wow. And then. You bought another property. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so I'd say the, the most recent one was definitely uh, more lifestyle play, yeah. right? Because obviously, we, you know, we have our first kid. We have, we have Samantha. She's eight months old. Um, my wife works full-time as a nurse practitioner. I mean, she's working until five or six. Obviously, I'm, I'm working all the time. So we knew we were going to need help. Um, so her, my in-laws, so my wife's parents, um, actually agreed to come live with us for about a year to kind of help with things. So we knew we needed a, a bigger place to buy. Um, and that's what we did. So, um, but yeah, same thing, you know, leveraged everything that, that we had added to the repertoire from that point. So we still had some VA entitlement. Um, I'd say that the major benefit of being a licensed real estate professional is I can use some of that commission for, for down payments or to help reduce costs. Right. And that's exactly what we did. So, um, yeah, so I mean, essentially, we've secured two properties with no money out of pocket up front. Of course, the first one, we, we did put a lot of money into it, right, CapEx. Second one, we secured with 5%. And then this most recent one, we actually got a check back at closing. Boom. Um, so just, I mean, leverage the VA loan, leverage your position, and just keep just keep growing. And then never sell it. I never hope. sell it. Brian will tell you to sell, and he'll do a damn good <laughs> job at it. But I would say hold it unless you have something amazing. I would say if you're going to buy Amazon in 1997. You of should course, sell your house of course. You what was Amazon the best time to buy? Five years ago. Um, <laughs> it's just there's so many lessons and insights in just this dissertation of your portfolio <laughs> that you have given to the audience, and I'm hoping yeah, like, they. If I could, if I could add one thing, I would just say that just get the first one. Yep. Because uh, like we're going to have like a lot it. of, I mean, I'm sure, you know, we're going to have a lot of people on this podcast be like, yeah, I got 80 units, 200 <laughs> units. I got a 112 unit apartment and that, and that's fantastic. I think you should definitely strive for that. But 
But there's a lot to be said, especially when you're getting to retirement age, to just be like, hey, I own my home free and clear. Because um, I'm seeing this with my parents now. I'm seeing it with a lot of older generation, yeah, right? They're, they're getting into their 60s. They're yeah. getting ready to retire. But they've still got a $2,500 mortgage. Mm. And it's like, well, I mean, you've only saved 300 grand. I mean, how far is that going to go? But if your house is paid off and you own that free and clear, I mean, you're in a, you're in a much better spot. So, you know, I, 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 all we did at the, at the start was we just, we just bought the first one because we needed a place to live. And I would just start there. And if you do well or if you like it, then you can go ahead and accelerate and scale it. But worst case scenario, you just told that house, you own it free and clear after, you know, 30 years or if you pay it off quicker and then, when you get ready to retire, I mean, you're in a, you're in a much better spot. So um, that might have been a deterrent for me early on or, or something that I was frustrated with early on. It's like these guys going from zero to 25 units yeah. in like two years and maybe some average guys like me, you know, or nothing special where it's like maybe get a little discouraged. But what I'd say to them is like, hey, just just start, get that first one, get the second one, and then, you know, you'll, you'll be surprised at how quickly it can snowball. No, again, like, again, another great insight. And I want people to understand that there's some key things here. One, in your progression, naturally, you're going to have to deal with real estate. Naturally. You're going to get a job. Even if you're not in real estate, you're going to get a job. You're going to have the security. You're going to have the debt-to-income ratio to purchase a house, whether it's VA, FHA, whatever the product is. And it's hard to have the hindsight. It's hard to have the hindsight like, should I hold this? Should I sell this? Should I buy? You know, whatever the case is. But you need to know ahead of time that naturally you will buy your first house. And so for all the veterans who haven't used their VA loan, it's going to come. So you might as well start learning now and tuning into people like you, the podcast, and so forth. You know, you bring up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, those are like, you could say, one of the best books Absolutely. to getting into any game, right? To any, just understanding just real estate. Yep. Yeah, that there is a lot of value in thinking differently Absolutely. between active, passive, business income, whatever the case is. And that's, you know, that just, it's proven over time that that book has been really beneficial. So glad you share that. Another thing is, is like as you go through your journey, you're learning from the first one, the second one, the third one, and so forth. But, you know, and we've seen it all the time with clients and so forth, especially first-time homebuyers, first-time investors. They are scared of that experience. And part of being younger when you start is you're a little naive. And the (laughs) naive, you you think you're bulletproof. I remember... Yeah. My realtor, when I bought my first quadplex, he was like, you should not buy here because the police would be here every day. And I was like, you're a civilian. You don't know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> I was naive. Yeah. And then come to find out, it was crazy running a quadplex at 23, 24 years old by myself, thinking I knew how to deal with tenants. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but with that experience made me more resilient made me learn because muscle memory and next thing you know boom here we are right and so it really helps you exponentially grow by just embracing it obviously mitigate your risk and having a real estate agent like yourself will definitely mitigate that risk and unfortunately you did not have that (laughs) Uh, you know Um, 
but it's just so cool um, how you've learned so much. And it's only been like maybe three years of really constant real estate yep. growth and Absolutely. you know um and th- there are some effects and so you want to like you know plateau a little bit you know take a tactical pause and i know you're going to come back with more properties but again the audience has to understand you have to take action you know Absolutely. don't worry about i should have bought a house five years ago no just get your first one yep. understand it underwrite it and move forward so no that's incredible insights now let's pivot again. So (laughs) now you're at the Lana Rodriguez group. You're my partner agent. For anyone listening, a partner agent is basically like an executive officer who has principal in your business and uh, who's a principal in your business and is very influential. And you have to develop a relationship with that partner agent to essentially be an extension of the business to help grow the business so that you can expand. Um, other parts of the business and partner agent was was brought to me by one of my mentors I can't remember right now unfortunately I'm gonna say it was Lana and so uh, Lana's like you gotta get James and so you know I want people to understand what but made me think about you as my partner agent versus like going to the to the world is that one we had a we had a successful experience a successful R&D in the army, right? <laughs> and people great. don't understand that, like, you know, how many, like, what's on average? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's less of the people who actually retire from the military. Like, that's why the word JMO, junior military Absolutely. officers, yep. or even j- junior NCOs who are E6s who don't want to go E7 or whatever, or even warrant officers, like, they realize that, wait, there's value outside, they've gained enough skills, they want to go try the corporate America. But I would push them to think, man, these band of brothers and sisters, I could use for this idea that I have. Yeah. You know, this, this, this pursuit I want to do in this industry or this business or whatever. And so that was the first thing. It's like, man, that was free R&D. Because <laughs> it's hard, right? It's hard to hire. It's hard to oh, fire. It's hard to create group dynamics for free and get paid for it. So uh, so people listening, use your time. If you're in the military, use your time to find your next partners, your next employees, your next business partners, whatever the case, to join the Army. So that's the first thing. The second thing, it's very hard to trust somebody. It's so hard to trust somebody. And, you know, even like with my wife, like growing up, we didn't know how to run a business. Can I trust Lana with the other side of the brand? Can I trust Lana, you know, building that trust over time? You know, yes, we have a marriage and so forth. But like when you come down to business, it's it's pretty tough. Yeah. You know, it's pretty, there's a lot of effects. You can go broke, foreclosure, you can be homeless, you can, <laughs> you can ruin people's lives. I mean, the list goes on. But I would tell people that in the Army, they put you in these situations where you have to understand who can I trust? Can this person go on mission? Like, so trust is the second thing that like I thought about you. And then I, you know, how do I make it layman's term or to the civilians? I think it's three things that I saw about you, which was one, you actively listen. Uh, People don't understand that everyone hears each other, but do they really listen? And you know, cliche shit is like, Oh, a commander's intent, you know, task and purpose, that means something. 
And in the Army, and I'm sure in the other militaries, they always say, where's your leader's book? Where's your pen and paper? And write down everything I say. Well, that training actually helps you become a better professional because you really start understanding the needs, but most importantly, the objections. And those objections give you the options. You allow you to be creative because you're like, oh, if they're objecting this, well, what's an option for them? So that was so important uh, in terms of building trust. The second thing is that you're competent, right? You, a lot of people, you don't have to be perfect. No one's going to be nope. perfect, especially That's right. That's right. in entrepreneurship. Yep. And being consistent to me is like the cousin of perfection. Uh, because if you show up and you show off every day and you really commit yourself to the mission, to the business, um, you're just going to win. Like you're going to, you're going to win. It just keeps showing up. And you did that. And you did that even in your story. You showed up in the military every day and then something happened and you're like, you kept showing up. They put you in the spo shop. You kept <laughs> showing up. They wouldn't let you grow at Boston Scientific. You kept showing up. Right. And, and so that's so important is be competent, be, be consistent. And that, that was the second thing I, I thought that was very effective. And then lastly, you care. I mean, there's so many times where I'm like, dude, just go home. There's so many times where I'm like, you don't have to do that. And, uh, and you're like, no. Very true. They, this has to happen. There's a character you know, component to it. And I would say in this day and age, there's so much noise. There's so much um, superficial BS that's going on that like, you really don't understand someone until adversity hits. And obviously, we've been through a lot of things. And so those three things made me feel that you were more than trustworthy. And so, uh, you know, I want to put that out there. So people who are trying to grow a team, whether it's in real estate or not, understands that they can find a partner agent uh, that helps them brand and expand. Um, But let's get your opinion, (laughs) because you can talk about your decision and how you accepted my offer, right? Yep. Like, what about that transition? Because you were XO with me in the Army, but now you're XO with me at the Lana Rodriguez Group. You know, why'd you choose decision? And that transition, like, you know, that past experience, how'd you apply it then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So ironically, and, and it's funny how this works in life, is it goes back to, like, the relationships are the most important. So in, in any military, anyone, anyone's ever had a boss knows that, you know, that, that leader has a significant say on the quality of your life yeah, and also the quality and performance of your team. So for me, having that, that 12 months experience with you and knowing how you work um, and knowing your expectations and knowing how you lead was, was a major factor. I mean, to an extent, if you were running a taco shop, because you let's be honest, taco shops probably be your plan B. Burritos. I probably would have gone to work for that taco shop because I because it does in the region. Yeah, we would have done it. the best in the region. Um, but but it, there is a lot to be said about just being part of a successful team and a team that is is connected in this goal for achievement. And, and we definitely had that when, when you were in command with, with the 183rd. There was just this understanding. Like, I, I know you and I both hated a lot of stuff yes. that was going on with that company. Yes. But 
but we were both very committed to what was going on. Um, I, I saw your commitment there, and I'm, I'm sure you saw that in me. So just having that same just just commitment to what we're doing. I mean, it could have been anything, but there's a lot to be said about just just being in an organization where everyone's committed to doing the doing the right thing and doing the best they can. So that was a big driver. Uh, you know, second thing um, was just I definitely understood how you you worked as as a leader because. Um, you were always there for me, if that makes sense. Like, because I know I call you all the time. I probably call you more than Lana. Uh, but the thing Lana is, Lana never you, calls me. Okay, well there we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, but but you always, you know, even then, like you would always pick up. I'd be like, hey, sir, this is what's going on, and you know, I'd always give you like recommendation or what we were doing. But but you'd always provide that guidance. And I, but but the big thing was, I always felt like I had top cover, like I had a big brother, and it, and it's. It's no mistake that you're 250 pounds, you know, being my big brother. There, there was that element there that I was like, dude, as long as a Brian says, you hey, man, I got your my back. <laughs> I meant it. As, I meant it as a positive, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, but like, I always did feel like, hey, that's a, that's my big brother's got my back. Yeah. So, which gave me confidence to go out and do, you know, things on my own or things that, things that maybe if I had a different commander, the commander before you, I might yeah, not yeah. have done. Um, so just knowing that relationship and the other thing too, is we could argue. Mm-hmm. I mean, we argue about, we argue about stuff all the time. I mean, we're like yeah. a married couple. If you, you know? weren't funny, we want to be I arguing. Know. Like, yeah, like if we, like every other week we got something to argue about, but I'd say we, but, but any, any organization, any commander, any boss, any relationship I've ever had, even go back to like high school sports, there's always going to be arguing. But the key is, can we can we just argue and be done with it and, and move on and get back on path and not and not hold a grudge or not be pissed or not kind of keep it in our back pocket? Um, and that and that's something with you that I I've only had with a few people in my life where I can be like, hey, we can truly argue and almost go to blows, but then come back the next day and be like, you know, best of friends and let's go get this thing done. Um, so that was a, a key factor. And, and the reason that's a key factor is there's always going to be challenges and stuff that comes up that's out of our control. So. Um, so that was a huge, a huge factor in it. Um, and then too, I mean, this is probably tertiary, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I mean, you'd been talking up real estate, I think the whole time we were there. Um, yeah. and you know, I saw your passion for it, saw how passionate Lana was for it. So I knew that, you know, I knew Brian from a character perspective, <laughs> wasn't going to fail. Um, but I also knew like from a passion perspective, like they were going to make this shit work. So that kind of drove me to come come back with you, um, and then last thing I promise, uh, I do think we complement each other very well. Mm-hmm. I think we're very similar in a lot of ways. We do have a similar personality where we kind of we get through difficult circumstances by like making fun of it or like talk, you know, <laughs> making jokes about it. That's how we get through it. Like, man, this sucks, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna finish it. Uh, we do have a lot of similarities, but we're also very different in a lot of ways. And I think we kind of balance each other out. Um, which, again, it's just, just complimentary. It makes us both more effective. So um, so I was definitely definitely excited to come back. Um, Haley maybe less so because she was still in Minnesota. Yeah, that was uh, tough. But now that we're good, you know, we're all back in Colorado, we're, we're good. No, I mean, people need to take these insights and craft, you know, criteria for their partner agent. Uh, I love how you emphasize like there is a common goal. There's a mutual understanding that we want to be successful in real estate, you know, by X, Y, and Z, you Mm -hmm. know, 
there's a who, what, when, where, why, which is so important. Um, because if we don't know where we're going, we're just lost LTs. And so that's now that's important to, to remember. Another thing is, you know, that top cover, it's it works both hand because, mm-hmm. I mean, the challenges you've seen me go through, you have a different perspective on. And when I hear that, I know I'm not crazy. You know, it like helps me to calibrate. And it's tough because, you know, when you start a business, whether it's real estate or not, you're going to be in a vacuum. And when you have someone who's there shaping mm-hmm. that operation, who um, it it makes the decisive operation just that much more effective. So, no, it's it's important to have that the the overlaying fires, if yeah. you will, yeah, over over each other. Another thing is the the passion is is very important because if we can't share each other's compelling vision, it there's really nothing going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. And so, team leaders out there. Just remember, you have to have great communication. You have to illustrate the goals. Um, And, you know, lastly uh, is the arguing, right? And it's not arguing. It's more like problem solving. Mm -hmm. And what I think what we do best is that we're objective. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's some subjectivity that comes involved. But if you can literally be like, okay, what's your problem? Let's go line by line. Let's see where the misunderstanding is and it's tough because if you don't do that the emotions flare Mm -hmm. you start assuming things and that's not good for anything any relationship or business now since we have an established relationship what about the challenges you and i have been through because we could talk about all day all the success stories but like the challenges who is our toughest clients? I mean, I feel like we have more challenges than we do wins, especially this year, given the market, the, the changes in the world. Um, but, you know, what what rings a bell? Anything? A lot do. Um, and, and it's in and, and this. And for me, it always goes back to like relationships and people. Um, and, and what I mean by that is we can have a, a transaction that is relatively smooth. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm getting yeah. at. A transaction that's relatively smooth. Not, not really not really talking major issues, right? Um, but if the client or, or the other individual is just, is just a challenge, like they just don't want to hear any of it, like no matter what, it's just, it's just a, a catastrophic issue. Those are the ones that always, that always stick out in my mind um, where it's like, hey, we, we do everything on our part, right? Like we, you know, we figure out, because I mean, it happens all the time, especially on the listing side, right? Like, hey, there's a leak. Like, okay, yeah. let's 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 assess the leak. Let's see what what we're looking at. Okay, we're looking at a two hundred dollar repair. Um, not a big deal. Let's not blow up a four hundred thousand dollar deal over two hundred dollar leak, right? Um, and, and we do all this research and, and due diligence on our part, where we're like, look, it's a clearly an issue. It's a safety issue. It's a safety issue because it's going to leak. It's going to cause mold. You're going to have other issues, right? Um, it's part of our contract, right? Our contract said that they had the opportunity to object to health and safety issues, right? What I'm getting at here is is we can go and, and approach it with logic and expertise and all this correct information and, and make a solid recommendation. Um, but where these tend to come become a challenge is is when it's when we're basically told like, no, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to me are always the most frustrating things um, when, when we're trying to do everything correct. And, you know, we're doing it as professional as we can. And we're basically told, like, 
no, you're stupid or like, hey, no, you're you're crazy. I need you to do this. Um, so those are always the ones that, that stick out in my mind um, versus the ones where we've got foundation troubles and we've got, hey, the basement floods and the roof leaks. And but it's like, hey, if the client's reasonable and understanding the even though we're, we're talking big numbers and, and big challenges, those are the easier one to deal with. Um, so the biggest challenges are always when we get into those situations where we go through all those steps like we always do. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's still, they're still not happy with it or, hey, it's still a problem. Um, and, and those are the toughest ones, in my opinion, that, that we've ever had to deal with because, um, you know, we're trying to make things work. Obviously, on our side, right, we, we've got to try to make it work with the other agent. So we've got to go back to the other agent and basically say, hey, no, we're not doing that, even though <laughs> we want to say, hey, I think you're right, but we can't because we're, we're representing the client. Um, so those have always been the most the most challenging, believe it or not. So it really just comes down to that, that relationship with the client because, to me, those are the toughest challenges when, you know, I don't want to say irrational, but we have been in those situations where we're like trying to do everything right and we're just getting told no and we're and of course we're struggling because we just want you know we're trying to make it work both yeah. parties we're trying to do what's best for the client um, but it seems like there's a roadblock yeah it's in real estate or, or any type of entrepreneurial world especially sales there's so many things we can't control mm-hmm. and it's it's so frustrating and it's great to hear that because one of the things that we do, I think, that helps us in challenges is the due diligence up front because that's the only thing you can control is, is yep. like, well, let's start researching. Let's start underwriting. Let's start making connections. Let's start understanding the resources and the network and so forth. And, you know, we developed a product called Due Diligence Packet. It's proprietary. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag MDMP or whatever. But uh, – you know, it's one of those things where it helped put those controls in place to mitigate the risk. Uh, and really, we have, I think, dominated the residential experience. But what the real rewarding, uh, the return in this is when we try to expand now in a commercial. And because we've had so many reps and so many challenges in residential, now we go into a whole new environment, commercial, and trying to leverage relationships, trying to be better um, in underwriting and being diligent and trying to understand the group dynamics in commercial real estate because – you know, like we were in the meeting the other day and we're understanding everything about the education industry. That's right. It is an industry. It is not, it is for profit, maybe not mm-hmm. always, but yep. it's crazy. Uh, and so that's really what really helped us is our ability to embrace challenge through diligent research, yeah. uh, figure out how we can create those controls in place. Now, yeah. There's, what, do you have anything Oh, about I was going to say, but, but to your, and you're, yeah. I think you're alluding to it a little bit, is the point is at the end of the day, you can do all that. Yeah. And it might not be enough. And I think that's one of the good things that, thought, that we learned just in our experiences with the Army is there are going to be days where you're going to give it all and you're going to get everything yeah. you got and it's not going to be good enough and you're going to get, you're going to get chewed out. You're going to get chewed out. Deal's going to close. You know, Deal's I mean, not going to close. Yeah. You're going to be told you're, it's going to be a bad day and you just got to be able to be like, all right, look, but, it, but I did what I could. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of take your licks and, and keep on moving. So I think that's kind of the point that you're getting at yeah. too is like, 
you can you can do all of it, uh, but that's what you got to hold on to at the end of the day. Is like, look, I did every damn thing I could to make this work. Yeah. Um, but if, if sometimes it sometimes it ain't going to be enough. And, no. and you're going to be on the losing end of the stick, and that's and that's how it goes. But I think as you get older, you get better with that. You're like, you just hey, look, we lost today, but so what? We'll be back tomorrow. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. man. Show up every day. That's it. That's all we do. Now, given everything we've talked about, I mean, we've talked about a lot. Your journey, the real estate, our dynamics in the marketplace. But what advice do you think that you could give to veterans that they can leverage that are unique skills and experience that we have in the Army? Not to say that your experience is common for everyone or unique to everyone, but I'm pretty sure we all have very similar experiences. So what could you tell the audience and, and remind them of like, hey, you have skills and experience, so here's how, here are they, and here's how you should leverage them. Yeah. So, so definitely number one, you are, and I saw this a lot uh, just on the, on the corporate side, uh, is, is you are exceptionally well-prepared to be a professional in anything that you decide to do. Because um, the reality is the core competencies that and exposure and experience that you're going to get in the military, I don't want to say it translates everywhere, but it pretty much translates everywhere. <laughs> um, so all those skills, I mean, you're, you're going to be at an advantage, uh, whatever you decide to do. Um, uh, and don't lose sight of that. Like, don't ever let anyone tell you, like, well, because one of the favorite things that I heard, even in these interviews for corporate America and you know, whatever is, they love to tell you, we well, don't have experience in this exact field. Well, guess what? You didn't have any experience as a, as That's a platoon true. leader. Let's That's be true. honest. Yeah. You, you did your four years of school, whether it was Academy, RTC, whatever you went to Bullock, but let's be honest, you probably learned 2% of what you were supposed to do at, at those and you learned on the fly. So, uh, you know, don't, don't get discouraged by that. You know, they're going to say that, but just know that you're going to, you're going to be leaps and you're going to run circles around them within two months once you figure out what to do. So don't, don't lose sight of that. Um, it, you know, for, if your goal is entrepreneurship or to do something on your own, just know that all those experience that you already have, like operating on limited guidance, um, you know, devising a plan, you know, troops to task and give different people to troops do different to things. Task. I mean, I, I bring it up, but it's important. Uh, all that experience you have of planning and, and leading teams uh, is going to make you successful as an entrepreneur, really, whatever you whatever you decide to do. And you're probably going to be way better than anyone else. Um, and, and you, Brian, had mentioned and brought up customer service as a big challenge, and we see this all the time with contractors. But uh, with how much engagement you have as, a, as an Army officer with commanders, whether they're, you know, captains or colonels or, you're, you know, you're talking to the CG, all those experiences make you uniquely prepared to engage a customer and, and explain to them what you're going to do for them and how it's going to work and how you're going to be successful. So, you know, all those experiences that you probably dreaded, you know, briefing the CG on your your, your training plan or whatever was probably an emotional event maybe for some, but um, as far as like customer engagement, that's the number one thing that's lacking. I mean, the amount of contractors that are great at what they do, right? Like, hey, I got a plumbing issue. Yeah, they can fix it, no problem, but they can't explain to the customer how they're gonna fix it or how much it's gonna be or what service they provide or how they warranty it. They, they have none of those skills. Um, so you're gonna be leaps and bounds ahead of your peers in, in that regard. Um, 
and then just, I mean, just a conclusion. I mean, you're going to be so much more professional. I mean, I hate yeah. to be that old guy that's like, hey, everything is getting less and less professional and, uh, you know, people just aren't as committed as they used to be. But I think there is a lot of truth to that. Um, so all that professionalism and, and just commitment to accomplishing the mission that you get in, the, in, the, in any branch of the military, it, it already puts you at a huge advantage over your peers that are, you know, coming from, you know, hey, I just went to college for four years at whatever, Nebraska, and all of a sudden I have this job. Like, you're going to be light years ahead. So, Wow. I think I just found my new uh, attracting campaign for the military recruits. <laughs> you are exceptionally ready. Like that 100%. just motivated me. Hundred percent. But but it, but I can't I can't stress that enough. You are so far prepared ahead of your peers. I promise you. And it's so crazy. In anything. In anything. When you make when you start making the transition and the headhunters and stuff, they almost put you back into basic training. Mm-hmm. They're like, wait a minute, you ain't ready. Yeah. And you got to yep. do this and this, and therefore your value is now this. And you're just yep. like, what? And so it's unfortunate, and, it, and it's going to be a reminder, because I'm going to make it a reminder, that you are exceptionally ready. And so I'm motivated. A couple, two things you, you hit on, because there's so many concepts in the military that we hated in the military <laughs> that are like, oh, wait, minute, that, that easily transfers, yep. like troop to task. We hated doing troop to task, but that allows you to delegate, allows you to allocate mm-hmm. resources and time. And that's what building a business is, mm-hmm. is allocating people, time, resources to the mission, to the whatever is going to be profitable. Uh, one thing you say is the engagement experience is unlike anything other. And that I, I sum it up into this quote I've seen where it's hard conversations lead to easier growth. Easier conversations lead to hard growth. And the Army puts you in these dialogues where you're like, I don't want to talk to this person. <laughs> I don't want to tell that person. I don't want to breathe the CG and so forth because my battalion commander doesn't want to do it. You know, and you're <laughs> just true. like, I'm a lieutenant. Yep. And so, yep. or I'm a, I'm an, you, you sometimes, you know, the officers yep. are like, yo, sorry, can you, can you take this? Yep. And, you know, sergeant's like, we got it. And yep. so, uh, but overall, like, don't be a basic agent. And the army or the military is an, an incredible MBA program. It is. A hundred percent. It's incredible. Yeah. I, it sounds cliche, and you, and you probably hear it all the time, especially for these guys that are maybe just starting out. But it, but it really is. Yeah. Um, and I think that my experience with with corporate America and, and seeing the the civilians that that didn't go through it, you, you start to realize how far ahead far. And, how, and how well prepared you are for it. Far. We're not. We haven't even hit character. Um, <laughs> that's all another story. Yep. But besides all this army and this LRG stuff. Outside of real estate, you have some passions. So wh- what do you do other than, you know, real estate? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, obviously, the, the big one for me now, we, we've got an eight-month-old at home, Samantha. So, you know, obviously, we, we do work a lot. I mean, there, there's no way around it with, with being an entrepreneur. So trying to maximize my time as, as much with her, um, I think what she's making me realize very quickly is I, I at the end of the day I'm just a big kid like you know when Samantha was born all of a sudden and, and same thing with Haley my wife is we're like all excited about like you know we're gonna be able to go back to the water park 
or like, hey, we're going to be able to go race go-karts again and, and go to like the jungle gym or go to the parks and stuff. Um, so we're, we're super excited about that. So just, just spend as much time with, with her as I can. Um, it, it gets, and, and I'm sure any of these young, young parents know, it gets better. It gets more exciting as they, as they get older. You know, first they're just kind of sitting there and you're like, do something. Decide shit in your diaper. Uh, but once they start, like, you know, engaging with you and having fun and this, for the first time they laugh, I mean, it's like game oh, over. Yeah. It's like game Moments. over. Um, to where it's like Brian's calling me and I don't, I don't care. So Sammy's <laughs> laughing I don't, I don't care. Um, so spend as much time with, with them as I can. Um, I'd say my second love is probably cars, aside from, from real estate. Um, I can't say that I have this huge fleet of vehicles or anything crazy. I just love cars. Like I love talking about them, learning about them. Um, there'll be a, a sub podcast to this one there talking about be. how I sold Brian his most recent vehicle <laughs> just this past weekend. Cause I section one seventy nine. Section one seventy nine. Um, so, but that, and then just yeah, I mean, just just spend as much time with with my family as I can is is the key. Um, because that's the I mean that's the that's the day to day challenge and. Just, just being near him is is probably my favorite thing to be. No, amen. And and you like movies too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I yeah, for the viewers, I do make sense of life through movie quotes. Yes. So for any difficult situation, whether it was in the army or now, there is a movie quote that got me through it. He's a gift so, master, GIF. That's right. That's um, right. So if you had a billboard here in Colorado Springs, I twenty five, what would you like? What would be on it? What would it say? For me personally, it would say you win the game in the preparation. That is, that is, I would say that's me in a nutshell. I can't tell you, like, I over, I mean, I stress about stuff, as you know, I, and that causes me to over prepare for things, like, even this, even like, even this, even this podcast, I got like six pages of stuff here that I was like ready to talk about. Um, yes. But what I've seen is just being prepared and going through those mental steps in your head. It never goes the way you think it does, but just because you took those steps to plan, it enables you to be very, very successful. Um, so I think just that that'd probably be my thing. Like you went in the preparation, that, that's my MO. I, I'd say I'm overprepared for a lot of stuff. Um, and, and nine times out of 10, it never goes the way I'm planning for it, but because I've prepared for it, I'm ready. Um, so that, that'd probably be my, my billboard. And I'd probably be up there in a polo and a khakis you know, and a cup of coffee. stable dad and a cup of coffee. So, um, preparation is like people don't understand that that is respect, that is service, mm -hmm. that is care. Because the when when I see someone who doesn't prepare for a meeting mm -hmm. or just like a lunch or anything, imagine you think they're going to prepare for a multi million dollar deal. Absolutely not. So if you can't do five minutes of preparation mm -hmm. prior to any engagement, I would say your your life in the industry is going to go, it's going to bleed out, hemorrhage. Well, any I think anything. Yeah, anything. For the most part. I mean, I mean I'm probably a little extreme, to be honest, with how much I – I mean, you make fun of – I mean, you, you have given me that feedback several mm -hmm. times where yeah. you're like, why did you do that? Why did you do that much research? This guy's not even ready. Uh, but it just builds my personal confidence when I go to that first engagement. Yeah, like I'm gonna blow this guy away with how much I know about yeah. what he's trying to do 
even if even if it's not the one he wants. But now I've won. I've earned his trust at that point. Boom. So, well, where can the world find you? Like, if I wanted to go, I mean, obviously, you got your email and number always ready, but. Um, can they connect with you in other places or what? Absolutely. So they can they can connect with me on on Facebook. Um, personally, like I mean, I, I know you're giving me some some flack here with the phone number, but <laughs> just text me. Like I I will always try to respond. I'm I'm always excited to help different people. On, you know, on, on from many different perspectives too. I mean, we got a lot of clients that are 22, 23, just starting yeah. out and. I mean, geez, we just closed a guy who was what, probably mid thirties buying yep. his first home, and it was like just as exciting, but totally different, and you know, totally different type of type of engagement. So, uh, but yeah, you know, Facebook, um, you, you'll see you'll see Brian and I on, on YouTube once yeah. in a while, um, but I'd say best just just reach out, send me a text, um, send me an email, and you know, I'm just just here to help. I mean, I'd I'd love to. I'd say I'm probably uniquely passionate about officers getting out to go to corporate America because I can't I can't stress I mean it's it's tough in a podcast to try to express it but just how lost and frustrated I was at at Boston Scientific. Yeah, um, he's creating and a it, hotline. And if I can if I can help you avoid that and avoid those thinking traps that I did, I, let me help you, please, because um, I don't want you to be in that in that same position. Yeah, the hotline's called Stable Dad, 1-800. That's right, that's right. <laughs> 1-508-265-6709. No big deal. But no, James, I can't believe we did it. It's so amazing <laughs> just to tell your story, to tell all the trials and tribulations you went through. You went through a lot, and I really thank you for your sacrifice, your investment, not only to Alana Rodriguez, but to your family, to the Colorado Springs and, and most importantly, the military, you know, and, and giving them a piece of you so that they can make better decisions and win at life in real estate. So, James, without further ado, you the man. Appreciate it, Brian. Now, thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome.